0: Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA. Our producer today, Mr. Scott Larson. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. We're broadcasting broadcasting across the country on all 144 affiliates, thanks to all of you in our listening audience. So whether you're in South Carolina or San Diego, California, or Wichita, Kansas, we welcome you to the show today. I'm going to cut the monologue really short today because this is a very special show. Joining us back on the airways, and she's been gone from these airways for a From a while, but we're very happy to have her back. Is Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie.
1: It's such a pleasure to be with you, Carrie. Thank you so much.
0: Well, it is great to have you here. For those of you that aren't familiar with Grace Murray, let me tell, tell you a little bit about her. She's been published in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, USA Today. She's appeared on ABC's 2020 and frequently a guest on Fox News because she is truly an expert um, in the healthcare field and was very uh, adamant about Obamacare. We did a number of shows on Obamacare. A lot of the things that she predicted did, in fact, come true. It crashed and burned, just like Grace Marie. Mary said it was going to do. So I asked her to come to us today. She's brought she's with joining us from Washington D.C. to talk about the American Health Care Act. For those of you that don't know what that is, that is the bill that's going to repeal and replace Obamacare that that, uh, Speaker Ryan has put in place. So, Grace Marie, let's just start by defining what the American Health Care Act is and and how did we get to this point that we have this piece of legislation, and then we'll go through the process and talk about how it's actually going to flow through both the House and the Senate. Grace Marie?
1: You know, this process is really... um All designed to fulfill the president's primary promise and the promise of most elected Republicans in Congress to repeal and replace Obamacare. This is this is absolute primary. It is it is the reason that when the. When the President first walked into the Oval Office on January 20th after being inaugurated the, the, he signed an executive order giving people relief from many of the provisions of Obamacare. It is a reason that this is the major first piece of legislation making its way through Congress this is a this is a a, a Promise that they must deliver. And that has been, it has consumed Congress. And many people think, you know, oh, they've written this bill in the last few weeks. They've been working on this, on, on writing this American health care bill for 15 months. As soon as Speaker Ryan was elected to elected speaker in the fall of twenty fifteen. He began a process of developing serious policy proposals on a number of issues health care, taxes, education, welfare reform, foreign policy and he put his key committee chairman to work saying you've got to come up with a a unifying consensus plan. A number of members had specific bills. They pulled those together. Speaker Ryan released this last June called the Better Way Plan, a detailed forty page white paper. This is what we're gonna do. Members of Congress ran on this in the fall in their campaigns. This was they built their own white papers around this. And so at that time the the staff in the in Congress began actually writing the legislation. That's the only way that they could possibly be ready to have, have have been ready to have this bill be teed up so that it's ready was ready to pass. And right you know yeah, I, I think the people... president has bought into it. There have been a lot of machinations, sort of shaping it back and forth, but they knew they had to do two things. They had to repeal as much of this law as possible under the processes that they have to go through to do that. So we can talk about that. It limits them to specific budget and tax provisions, which means they cannot repeal it, root and branch, without 60 votes in the Senate. As we know, there are only 52 Republican votes in the Senate. So therefore, they have to do it in a special process that requires only a majority of a majority in the Senate. So when That's we hear directing Rand the Paul... the
0: process as well when we hear Rand Paul when we hear Jordan when we hear some of these other uh, legislators come out let's have a clean repeal you can't do a clean repeal and and if you do the consequences of that would be disastrous for the Republicans and for the American people because there are this is a complex piece of legislation and and there are things in here that the general public has no idea um, or even in the even in this legislation originally the Obamacare bill of 2200 pages. Am I correct in that?
1: That's right. And the, a and the clean repeal. George Stephanopoulos on the Sunday talk shows basically said, why don't they just do a clean repeal? Because millions of people would lose their health coverage. Republicans don't want that. They are being responsible government officials here. This bill really has three parts. The first thing is to repeal as much as possible of this law that is, by the way, failing Obamacare. As, as, as we speak, millions of people can't afford coverage. They're losing their insurance because there are no pro- the insurers offering coverage in their areas. So they had to repeal as much of it as possible. You cannot rebuild a new system on this failed structure. Then they had to make sure there is a strong lifeboat for the people that are on Obamacare now to make sure they don't lose their coverage while they are building a bridge to a new system. So it has three parts, repeal as much as possible, protect people in the meantime while they well they give people and states new options and then create the infrastructure for a new system going forward. It's brilliant. And it does this in just, you know, I don't know, 150 or 200 pages, which is a tenth the size of Obamacare. You, when you're pulling back and trying to undo things, it does not have to be as complicated. And protecting people in the meantime is very important. So those three pieces are really the, 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 the pillars of what the American health care does, protect People now, repeal as much as possible of Obamacare, and create an infrastructure for a new system going forward.
0: So w- when I when, when I see things like the CBO report, and of course, you know, Chuck Schumer and, 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 and the national media people like George Stephanopoulos jumping all over the CBO report comes out and says 14 million people are going to lose their health care. I find this really amusing. In the first place, only 11.5 million people signed up by the end of open enrollment, and I think they've bumped that number Up to about 12 million. So, how can 14 million lose health insurance when only 12 million are actually signed up on the marketplace on the exchanges for Obamacare? So, that's myth number one. That's a great question,
1: Carrie, because the Congressional Budget Office ascribes these almost magical powers to the individual mandate. The most unpopular part of Obamacare, by the way, that says that we all have to purchase health insurance that government decides is right for us, no matter what the cost and no matter whether we want, we want these benefits. But this individual mandate to them is the reason that everybody has coverage. They, 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 they say, for example, that a couple of million people would drop coverage From Medicaid this year, because the mandate goes away, even though Medicaid is basically free to people, and they say that 5 million people would drop out of Medicaid next year without the individual (laughs) mandate. Almost all of the coverage losses carry are attributable, according to the CBO, to the fact that the individual mandate penalty would be zeroed out under the American Health Care Act. And,
0: and, and you know why that's false? And it, This is fascinating. You know this as well as I do. There are almost 14 million millennials sitting out there who could get subsidies and sign up for Obamacare who choose to pay the penalty instead of getting the health insurance that this mandate supposedly is making them do, Grace Marie.
1: it's that. And one of the reasons, one of the things that this, this American Healthcare Act will do is, is encourage young people to get back in by giving them more affordable coverage options. Right now they have to pay so much more, at least 75% more in some cases more than that, than they would otherwise in order to be able to subsidize people who are, to subsidize basically their parents in purchasing coverage. That is completely upside down. Yeah. and it's and and that has driven young people out it's made the pools older and sicker and it has driven up the cost for everyone, including including older people, while younger people are either choosing to pay the fine or get an, ex- uh, um, an exemption from it. The, the Obamacare is just it's, it's a disaster. It's yes, failing. it is. We've got to rescue people from it.
0: Yep, we do. That's exactly what, what, what this American Health Care Act would do. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about why are they using the reconciliation process. We're going to explain that to you. Grace Marie's going to break that down in plain English so you can understand what's going on here. And we'll continue on with this fascinating discussion. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting on the HI radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. I'll be right back with more and my guest, Grace Marie Turner. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, you can find out more about us by visiting our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, Mr. Scott Larson. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. By the way, her website, if you want more information about any of this, we've, we've also posted her position paper. If you will on this on our website but her website is www.galen.org and there's a lot of information up there it's a great place to go if you want to really know what's going on with all of this she is right there in dc in fact you were in the oval office not very long ago with president trump am i right
1: I would i was it was so interesting i mean he and and Vice President Pence and h h s secretary Dr. Tom Price are working so hard and working together as a team tremendously engaged in helping members of Congress understand this bill, as well as a lot of interest groups. The President has non-stop meetings. Some of them don't even show up on his calendar because this one was put together literally at the last minute by Vice President Pence, with whom we were meeting, and just marched us into the Oval Office and talked with the President and got a picture taken. It was, I mean, he is so engaged. It's really interesting to see this.
0: Boy, that's not what you hear in the media, is it, Grace Marie? No, I mean, you I know, know, all you but, hear I mean, in the media and, and is... Members
1: of Congress Congress. I mean, we hear, carry everything about this circular firing squad, and yes, it is going on. But, but one by one, members are understanding the bill better, understanding the processes, and understanding how this is going to work. In the, in a, this is not this first bill is not the end of the story. This is the beginning of reforming health care in this country. And so they have to one, one, one by one, and they have to hear it in a way that answers their concerns about their constituents. It's a long process. There are 535 members of Congress. It takes a while.
0: Yeah, it does. It's not going to happen overnight. What do they say about democracy? It's like making sausage. It's not very pretty to watch. They
1: do not want to watch this being made. That's right. <laughs>
0: All right, so let, let I want to go back over this over over this CBO thing one more time because I think people hear this and they oh my God they're going to kick 14 million people. That's the first thing that that's out of the media's mouth. It's the first thing that we hear, you know, coming out of people that oppose this thing. There are not going to be 14 million people lose their health insurance. So let's clarify that and the fact that Medicaid is being restructured in such a way that the states have far more control over where that money goes and what's being done with. Am I right about that or not?
1: Absolutely right, and that is really what is going to be transformative in the marketplace, Carrie. So those, the, the Congressional Budget Office, which lives clearly in a different world than the rest of us do, they believe that 4 million people so detest being having health insurance, they're going to drop out of the system immediately after Congress repeals the, the individual mandate tax. That means that 2 million would drop their employees lawyer coverage they would say that that people drop their Medicaid simply because there's no more mandate. That's crazy. That's this year. And then next year they said we'd lose fourteen million people. That's five million people who would abandon Medicaid just because they're not they're not required to have it, even though it costs them nothing, they'll drop out of Medicaid. 2 million will drop their employer coverage. Why would they do that? Simply because there's no mandate, I don't know. And 6 million people who will leave the exchanges. That's where they get their 14 million people. It's not that the subsidies wouldn't be there, the subsidies are going to continue. The Medicaid expansion is going to continue. They just assume that people will drop it voluntarily. 14 million people will voluntarily drop health insurance because there's no individual mandate. This is crazy, but that's where these numbers come from and that's where this 24 million member number by by 20 20- in the next 10 years, that's where that comes from. Not not that the subsidies aren't there to help people because they are here in this bill. But just people say, there's no mandate, I'm dropping health insurance. You and I know, Carrie, people want health insurance, but they want health insurance they can't afford.
0: Yeah, and that's it. And that's it. And you know, what's interesting is I remember these predictions back when the, when, when, when Obamacare was passed. And here was one of the ones that I found really amusing. Employers were going to dump their health insurance and tell people to go buy it on the exchange. You know, it's really funny. I did a series of seminars across the country, in, from New Orleans all the way to Nashville, Tennessee, with, with CEOs and, 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 and chief financial officers, decision makers, um, that came together to, to, to learn about Obamacare and all the rest of it. At at the end of each of those seminars, Grace Marie, we would pass out a sheet to ask them, tell us what you thought of the seminar, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the questions that we ask, how many of you will, will want to dump your employer-sponsored health care? Do you know what the number was, the percentage of employers that said they would dump their health insurance?
1: I bet it's very small. It was
0: Zero. Not yeah, one. Yeah. It, it was shocking. Not one employer said they would dump it because a, yeah. and these are the reasons they gave. We have a moral responsibility to our employees. Right. B, we want to keep and retain the people that we have and get good people to come to work for us. Okay, and C, it's something that is expected as part of their employment with the company. So it was very interesting to me that all of these uh, the, the, these think tanks uh, around the country were predicting. Oh my God, but employers are going to dump them under the exchange. That did not happen, just like what you're talking about here is not going to happen as a result right.
1: of this legislation being passed. And so there's passed. People unnecessarily. And that's one of the things that drives me particularly crazy, is thinking that, well, that must mean, if that many people are going to lose coverage, the Republicans are yanking out the subsidies there in Obamacare that are propping up people's insurance. Not true the medicaid expansion stays in place and that by the way is where 85% of the new coverages in medicaid expansion that stays in place in addition the current subsidies for health insurance Stay in place, and in fact, this the Congress is going to have to make sure the money is there to keep the insurers in the market if you don 't do that, millions of people would lose their coverage because they would not have the, the insurers would simply not be there to provide them with that insurance so in some bizarre way, here Republicans are repealing as much as they can of Obamacare, but they 're also protecting it. So people don't lose their coverage. The, the CBO says maybe 20 million people are going to lose their coverage if the subsidies went away. Though none of the subsidies are going to go away until a new system of subsidies is in place. So people should not be afraid they're going to lose their coverage if they have Obamacare now. It will continue only if this bill passes.
0: Yeah and that and that's the key. This 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 has to pass there has to be a process here. But the key, you know, the thing that, that I want the audience to really understand that you just said, nobody is jerking the rug out from underneath the 12 million people that currently have subsidized health insurance over uh, on Obamacare at this time. There is a process in place. That process takes place over this over a series of several years and there is a movement to a different uh, program that's going to put this in place and keep people from losing their health insurance. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what you need to take away from this segment of the broadcast. When we come back from the break, this time we really will get into reconciliation and talk about how they're going to do this. We're going to talk about all three parts and how that's going to work. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break with my guest, Grace Marie Turner from the Galen Institute. You can get learn more about her at, the, at her website, www.galen.org Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting across the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, America's Healthcare Our producer, Mr. Scott Larson, I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to continue this fascinating conversation with Grace Marie Turner from the Galen Institute. Her website, www.galen.org. All of the things we're talking about are up there on her website. There's a position paper up there. She's constantly Constantly updating this stuff. You heard her in the last segment tell us about actually being in the Oval Office, meeting with the President, the Vice President. She's very engaged in this, very involved on the Hill, very involved on the Senate side and um, at the in the executive branch, seeing that this thing gets through, explaining it, and and obviously has the detailed knowledge of all of this. If you want more information on her, organization, www.galen.org. Www.galen, That's the website. All right, Grace Marie, let's explain, because this is, I think people are very confused by this, why the reconciliation process is being used, and what is the budget reconciliation process?
1: I know, it's sort of unfortunate to have to get into all these deep details of, of congressional parliamentary procedure, but really, it's the only way to get this bill through through Congress. The House only has to have a simple majority vote in order to get a bill through. But the Senate has the filibuster rule. So if if you don't have 60 senators, then 40 senators can filibuster and stop anything from moving forward. So because Republicans only have 52 Republican senators, they have to use a special process that is designed only to deal with budget, issues, so taxing and spending issues. Everything has to be relevant to that. So they have they're trying to thread this needle as carefully as they can to push as much of the repeal through that process as possible and as much of the replace as possible. Because it does move now to the Senate so that the Senate has to to walk through this you know, very, very narrow path to get the bill through. And it may very well be changed in the Senate. But it's the only way to pass it with 51, uh, amen- it's actually 50 because the vice president can pro- a vote to break a tie. So if they, they could lose only two Republican senators and still get this through the Senate. Senator McConnell has said he is going to get this done and through the Senate before the Easter recess, which starts, uh, I think it's April the 8th, looking at my congressional calendar April the 6th and so they've only got a couple of weeks to be able to get this through the Senate and off the floor senator McConnell is a the the Republican leader of the Senate is really a master at knowing how to to work the processes in the Senate but but I'm telling you the president and the vice president are also going to be very engaged and have been as we have discussed in making sure the senators understand the importance of this bill. The issue, really, the bottom line issue, Carrie, is that because of everything being this backed up in Senate and, and congressional processes behind this health care bill, nothing else can go forward until they get this done, only, members are going to have one chance to vote on a bill that repeals as much as possible of Obamacare. Most of them campaigned on repealing Obamacare. Are they really going to vote against the only bill? up before them to repeal Obamacare because it doesn't contain everything they want? I mean, that's crybaby stuff, because nobody (laughs) ever gets everything they want in any bill before Congress. It is written literally by a committee, sometimes many committees, and everybody has to compromise. If members vote and stop this because they say it doesn't contain everything they want, they are defeating not only this bill, but... Tax reform going forward, a lot of other initiatives would be much more difficult to pass if this fails. It cannot fail, Carrie.
0: No, and, and I, I agree 100%. Question for you, though. Do you see any of the Democrats migrating over to this? And I, I specifically call out Joe Manchin of West Virginia, maybe even Claire McCaskill, Heidi Henkamp. Do you see any of these people migrating over? Because they are up for re-election, and you know, the commercials are already running here in Missouri uh, regarding McCaskill and Obamacare and all the rest of it. Do you think any of them are going to cross the aisle and get behind this to save their own skin in terms of the upcoming midterm elections?
1: You're right because there are ten. There are actually twenty-five, twenty-three Senate Democrats up for re-election in 2018, which is really a lot. It's huge. Of the 33 that that uh, are going to be up for re-election, and ten of them are in states that Trump carried, so they are very much over a barrel. But. We are not getting any indication that Democrats will vote for this because their party leadership is just basically just so hold, trying to hold them in line so that not they don't lose a single Democrat. But I, I am hoping that some of the Senate Democrats, and in fact, I'm going to write an article about this, that Democrats should see this is helping to rescue their beloved Obamacare. It, without it, it's going to crash, and people will be harmed. Why can they not see that this is a path forward? But I worry that in, in the Senate, Senator Schumer is just going to really whip everybody into shape and say nobody knows that Senate Democrats are ever going to get any anything that they want going forward if they vote for this repeal-and-replace bill, but I'm hoping some of them break, break ranks, because they need to for their own re-election. Well,
0: you know, they, they're not going to get anything they want if they're not reelected either. So there's another side <laughs> to that coin <laughs> but that you Chucky know, the, can't the do much about. But you
1: some Democrats lost their seats after the 2010 election. Barack Obama promised them if they voted for Obamacare, the voters would thank them. The voters threw them out of office. The same thing is true here. We've heard after four election cycles, people don't like Obamacare. They want it repealed and they want something better. If that's before then and they vote against it, what's going to happen to them in 2018?
0: Yeah. And and I think, you know, again, you know, uh, it gets back to survival. And I just wonder, you know, Chucky can do whatever he can do, uh, you know, to try to hold these people in line. But, you know, it's hard to threaten somebody when they, you know, when they're when, for instance, in the state of Missouri, you know, McCaskill's got a real problem in an uphill climb for this next election, depending on who the Republicans pick to run against her. So that's going to be fascinating. Joe Manchin is, you know, in in all but name, (laughs) moved over to the Republican side of the aisle. I think that's pretty obvious. He,
1: I think he was ready to do it, and they pulled him back. But there's also, it's not just health care. It's a fiscal issue. This bill cuts federal spending by $1.2 trillion. I have to say trillion. And it, it, it cuts um, taxes by $900 billion. It reduces the deficit by more than $350 billion. Those are huge numbers. It's not just a health care bill. This is an economic stimulus bill.
0: You know, and that's really interesting because nobody is talking about that, Grace Marie. No. We, need to, we need to go back through that because you're not hearing that in media anywhere. You know, $1.2 trillion tax cut for the American people, $37 billion, $337 billion over the next 10 years. P- put that in some perspective in terms of what does that do uh, back to the economy uh, in, in, in moving forward.
1: Absolutely. I mean, talk about a job stimulus. Grover Norquist had a piece over the weekend saying that this could be the biggest the biggest economic stimulus bill until tax reform, you know, and, and they're going to do tax reform, major tax reform. This is the primary agenda of Speaker Ryan. Something that hasn't happened in 30 years. It's way overdue. With our, the United States has the highest corporate tax rate in the world we 've got to fix that for our country company our companies and our country to be internationally competitive, so this bill is an important head start on that, and maybe we can talk also about how other things that are going to follow so that we can not only do tax reform but other health reform moving forward.
0: You know and that's interesting. I did not know that Grover Nordquist um uh had had come out in support of this because that that's huge. That that's got to mean a lot to people like the Freedom Caucus people and 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 some of the other people like Rand Paul who've you been so think. vocally against this, doesn't it?
1: You would think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I he,
1: can't always explain politicians. No, uh,
0: no, I, and and none of us can. So that you know, that that, that is, um, that that is absolutely the case. So, so. Uh, w- Talk a little bit, if you can, just briefly about some of the things that are on your website before we go to this next break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the other parts of this bill. But I know on your website, you've got some other information up there, Grace Marie.
1: Well, two things. Uh, we just posted a piece today by my colleague, Doug Badgers, our senior fellow, really looking at the coverage numbers and, and taking them apart and and explaining why the the. Estimates are wrong that 20 million people have coverage under this law, very, very highly inflated, just as the CBO numbers are wrong. So people have to use really common sense and think about the kinds of of market reforms that would be possible, including moving moving decisions over what health insurance policies will be available back to the states, but the numbers just don't don't mesh. We also have on the Galen website a link to our Obamacare Watch website, ObamacareWatch.org, where we update many times a day with the latest news stories. If you want to follow what's going on here, we... Put it there, and we also do a newsletter to keep you up to date. So All right, we're really going to be right back. Following
0: this, Okay, we're going to be right back after look the look break. At we're, out of time. we're out of time in this segment. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocates. Stay tuned. We've got one more segment left. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the Fruited Plain. Here on the HIE Radio Network, my producer, Mr. Scott Larson. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. In this segment, we're going to close out with Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. She's been a great guest today. And if you have any uh, questions or information you would like to know about what's going on with Repeal and Replace, her website is www.galen.org. That's G-A-L-E-N, galen.org. There is more information there. Uh, A ton of information up there. Grace Marie, let's talk about how is this going to help the ordinary working American with health insurance. Talk about that.
1: That's a really good point. So working Americans are seeing... Their premiums increase, their deductibles skyrocket, primarily because so many different provisions and, and procedures and treatments are required to be covered. Employers need to be able to make those decisions themselves about what kind of coverage their employees want. There will be a path forward toward giving them more flexibility. But the important thing that I think this bill does is begin to give people who are shut out of the employer system—they don't—they don't have jobs provide health insurance they don't make too much to qualify for Medicaid or, or the children's health insurance program to give them a, a, an equal tax break so if you are a young person you're going to get a couple of thousand dollars a year in a refundable advanceable tax credit that's real money that can go towards your health insurance lowering your health insurance premiums if you are if you are a family with you know maybe parents with teenage kids the older parents in their 50s, you can get up to $14,000 a year. Some of those numbers may change when it goes to the Senate, but but about $14,000 a year to help you in offsetting the cost of your health insurance. And when we move power back to the states to approve policies that are more affordable, that have the benefits that people actually want, that can go a long way toward providing them care and coverage. Right now, most of those subsidies go to the very, very lowest end of the income scale. People that don't have those subsidies find that their premiums are much higher, and they have no help. So this is going to be an age-rated credit. Up to 30, it's a couple of thousand dollars, 30, 40, 50, the different eight decades of your age will be the determining factor in the credit that you're available for. And again, that's if, if you're not, if you don't have job based health insurance and you don't have um, eligibility for, for Medicaid. So those tax credits are going to help people purchase and keep health insurance. And as the states begin to give them more choices and more flexibility, I think we'll start to see young people coming back into the market. Yes, the penalty goes away, but with money to help them offset the coverage and more affordable policies, I think we'll start to get them back in. Markets will be more stable, and people will be able to have health insurance that they can rely on, continuity of coverage, and work with their state legislatures in making sure that they're offered policies and that the, there's, the state legislatures are approving policies that people want. I have had so many people call me, Carrie, and I'm sure you're, you hear about it too, with great ideas for the new kinds of policies that could be offered if they could get out of this Obamacare straitjacket with all these cookie-cutter mandated plans that are so expensive it's basically like telling everybody you've either got to buy a Ferrari or not drive. That yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah you know and Give it them is, more choices it,
0: you, you, you characterize that really well it is a straitjacket. you've got you've got people paying for maternity care that are sixty years old yeah. you, you've you've got you have got all of these things that get dumped into this thing that that are that people do not have a choice the other thing that's interesting is there's an emphasis in this legislation and, and part of this is to get people involved in becoming consumers of health care using the HSA's grace Marie. oh yeah we
1: haven't talked about the HSAs, it's really important. There's a big boost for health savings accounts, and people say, Oh, well, poor people can't afford the health savings accounts. Why are you even talking to me about this? Because if you can find a policy that is less than the tax credits you're eligible for, and I believe that they're going to come, the market's going to provide those, then you can put the extra amount of money into a health savings account that's your money. It rolls over from year to year. You can add to it. And people can use this as a way to begin to save for their own future health care needs. This is a huge transformative idea. Employers will start to see, I think, health savings accounts as a way of helping people with these huge deductibles that they they've been facing. Giving people more options, more choices, that's the bottom line here, Gary, give people more choices and give the market an opportunity to truly compete in offering the kind of policies and the kind of products that people want to buy, make them affordable so people can want to buy the health insurance and help those people who need assistance in purchasing coverage.
0: Well, one, one, and one last thing before, because we're running out of time, but I want you to clarify this. The Republicans are not going to get rid of pre-existing, that's going to stay Stay in place and kids on the twenty-six. Am I right Absolutely about that? Right,
1: yes. And they they know those are those are popular. Yes, they cost money, but they're not getting rid of those in this bill. They they stay. Unfortunately, some of the regulatory provisions do as well because the process doesn't allow their repeal. But. We believe that Dr. Price at Health and Human Services is going to be able to make a lot of changes to regulatory policy that also will free up the market, and they will then follow on with other targeted bills, like allowing cross-state purchase of health insurance, which can't get through this reconciliation process, targeted separate bills where they may be able to get some Democratic votes.
0: Yeah, those things will all make a difference, and those are all part of what needs to happen here. And, you know, it's a fascinating process. And as I said, you know, democracy is a lot of people, you know, the old adage, it isn't pretty, it's like making sausage. But, you know, when this is is all done and it's over and it's actually in place, I think you're going to see exactly what you said, Grace Marie. You're going to see the markets return. You're going to see carriers back in place. We're down to one plan in Kansas City, one plan. There are places, in the country where there aren't even any plans available now so those kinds of things have to stop because as you said this straitjacket has to be taken off so thank you very much for doing this today i know you're extremely busy i am going to ask you on the air to come back
1: okay once this passes and we'll talk about this and and next steps because this is just this is just the beginning of an important process in returning power and control over health care not only to states and and, um, and individuals, but to co- doctors and patients. Yep. That's and what's that's, really
0: most important. And, and that's what has to happen here. So thank you again for doing this. She is Grace Marie Turner. Her website is www.galen.org. That's G-A-L-E-N.org. And she's truly an expert, as you can tell. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate show. Broadcasting on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America.